This is Financially Free with Wellington Adams, featuring Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard from Wellington Adams Investment Advisory. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Barron and Simon provide their clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Financially Free with Wellington Adams with your hosts, Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Financially Free with myself, Baron Fitzgerald, and Simon Hilliard from Wellington Adams Investment Advisory. If at any point during the show you'd like to learn a little more information, please feel free to give us a call at 855-793-2409 or visit us online at wellingtonadams.com. And if you're over at our website, please feel free to head on over to our radio page and check out our past shows. You also can subscribe to our show on iTunes or Google Play. And that way you'll always going to be kept up to date with our latest episodes. Today's episode is titled, How to Reset Retirement Plans to Weather a Downturn. Probably people out there, you've heard a lot of talk about how we are in the longest bull market in history. Um, Nonetheless, a downturn is possible. So today we're going to look at some ways to plan in case there is a downturn. Now, we've had a lot of volatility as of late, and that's actually a little bit more normal than not having volatility, although that volatility has been extreme. Uh, We do still feel that in 2019, we should have a positive year just based on certain economic indicators. Hopefully those will continue to um, continue. If uh, some of those other things as far as the trade war talks, uh, as far as the interest rates situation, if they hold true where they're going to not have any trade war Um, conversations on the negative side or interest rates are kind of held down, we should have a positive year. But we never really know what's going to happen. So we always have to plan in case there is a downturn. Yeah, I think I think you make a good point there, Baron. And guys, thanks for having me on your show. I've had a crazy busy week. How about you guys? How's everything going at Wellington Adams? We're doing just swell here, Tony. (laughs) Can't complain. We've been busy, which we've been busy, which is good. Um, getting ready to do a couple of uh, educational events this week. So we're uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, but how about Simon? I, I know Baron's always busy. Simon, what are you <laughs> doing over there? Are you keeping busy? Oh, twiddling my thumbs, my thumbs. keeps me busy enough. <laughs> <laughs> One over the other, over the other. Hard to keep track of some days, but they keep going. <laughs> no, I know I know you're, you've been busy as well. Um, so now in this... Uh, article you mentioned for us to talk about today, how to reset our retirement plans to weather the downturn. Um, They mentioned that the economy is due for a correction that could trim 20% or more from stock values. And that would be a huge problem for people who are taking withdrawals from investment portfolios, since those market losses early in retirement would really increase your chances of running short of money, right? That's true, Tony. I mean, there's a huge difference in if you are taking withdrawals or if you're not. I mean, if you're not taking withdrawals, you're obviously going to be able to sustain that downturn a little bit easier because 
you, you don't have to worry about the additional money that's coming out from your withdrawals. Um, the article does mention a 20% or more potential correction. However, they also make one very important point, and that is to, you know, you can't really just cower in fear and, you know, um, get all panicked and get all frustra- frustrated and thinking that your, 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 your doom is near. Um, but we have to plan for inevitable downturns. Now, they break down into four different actions that can help your money last longer. The first action that the article mentions is diversification. I mean, we hear, hear about it all the time. Diversify, diversify, diversify. Stocks since the March 9th, 2009 low have actually quadrupled since that period of time. Um, it's actually the S&P is up over 400% since the low of the market back on March 9th. Meanwhile, though, returns on bonds and cash remain very, very low. So investors who haven't regularly rebalanced back to a target mix that they originally had slated of stocks and bonds, they may have at this point too much of their portfolios in stocks. It's very, very important to consistently rebalance. The right asset allocation really just depends upon your income needs and whatever your risk tolerance is. That's why we always actually encourage our clients to use the color of money risk analysis tool um, that we have. And it helps determine their current investments um, if they're matching their current risk tolerance. Oftentimes we come across when we're sitting down and meeting with people, we'll do that risk questionnaire for them. And then we look at their assets and they're, they're nowhere near where they should be as far as what their comfortable risk tolerance is. So, you know, if we're telling clients, if you're feeling nervous about the market um, or a potential downturn, it really is a great time to take a step back and evaluate what your risk tolerance is, if it's changed or not. I mean, it typically does change over time. It's far from set in stone. Generally, as you grow older, you should become a little bit more more conservative with your assets. Agreed. I think that makes sense, Baron. Good point. And because I know personally for me, my risk tolerance has changed over time. I mean, I'm not that same indestructible 19-year-old that had never met a hot sauce challenge he he wouldn't take, you know. <laughs> right, we're not bulletproof, right? No, now I avoid that triple volcano hot sauce. It's not safe. <laughs> yeah, sharing a radio booth with you, I can appreciate that one for sure, Tony. <laughs> it's important to remember that risk tolerance isn't always about less risk. You know, at times consumers may be more open to risks and more confident in the economy. In fact, uh, reported by the Associated Press back in August of last year, U.S. consumer confidence had risen to an 18-year high. The article even went on to quote Lynn Franco, director of the Economic Indicators at the conference board, and saying, and I quote, Expectations, which had declined in June and July, bounced back in August and continued to suggest solid economic growth for the remainder of 2018. These historically high confidence levels should continue to support health, healthier consumer spending in the near term. So it's a quite possible that some investors may be open to more risk based on their current financial situation. You know, making sure that your match with the risk tolerance as it's changing over the years will help make sure that you remain confident in your financial strategies. 
Now, it's worth noting as we read that quote that the market went down just a month or two later. <laughs> right. However, it's rebounded since. And, you know, we always want to keep that long term perspective when we're making these decisions when it comes to investing and not get too caught up in the short term concerns. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a great point. Tolerance can change. But how often should somebody take that color of money risk analysis? Do we have to take that thing every month or every year? Well, Tony, you know, it's a good question. It's a tough one to answer. Um, you know, some of the compliance rules come back and say in the industry that you should check your risk tolerance yearly. And, you know, that's a good thing to do. And it's good to kind of keep as a gauge. The funny part is that many things can influence that. And one of the things as an advisor is that we have to keep kind of those things in perspective. You know, somebody might come back and say that they're very aggressive risk tolerance, that they want future growth. And that's because we just had a review and the market did exceptionally well. And conversely, we might have sat down at the beginning of this year to do a review and they might have come back much more conservative because we just went through December and things are a little bit uncertain in the economy and the trade war talks and the interest rates like Baron pointed out earlier. And they might come back and say now they want to be much more on the conservative side of things. And it's our job as an advisor to help them keep things in perspective because we certainly don't want to be changing the risk levels around too strongly year to year, just kind of chasing market trends rather than understanding what their real concerns are and how it applies to their strategies and their goals long term. Yeah, we don't want to look at just the short term aspect of it. We want to really try to stay focused on the long term aspect. Yeah, and I think that that's a great tip. So what's another action that investors out there can take to help weather a market downturn? Well, Tony, another action that investors can take is to just maybe start smaller, meaning to take maybe a lesser percentage out of their portfolios once they're getting ready to start withdrawals. Um, or another option may be to just be willing to cut back a little bit as far as what their expenses are. I mean, obviously, sometimes if you can't avoid them, you can't avoid them. But maybe some of those extra things that we're, um, you know, that we're enjoying in retirement especially if the market's experiencing a downturn, it may be smart and advisable to cut back a little bit um, and let the market regroup, regroup, excuse me, and then start taking the uh, amount that we wanted to. You know, historically, retirees could minimize the risk of running out of money by withdrawing 4% of their portfolios in the first year of retiring and then increasing the withdrawal amount accounting for inflation rate each year after that. Um, it's pretty wildly known. It's the 4% rule. It was actually um, pioneered by a financial planner named Bill Bengen. Um, but since that point, he's actually revised the 4% rule. Um, he was asked, is the 4% rule still relevant in today's economy? And what withdrawal rate would you recommend for someone planning for longer than 30 years in retirement? And how he responded was a little interesting. He said, actually, he said the 4% rule is actually the 4.5% rule. And he said he modified it some years ago on the basis of new research. Um, he said the 4.5% is the percentage that you could safely withdraw from a tax advantage portfolio, like a, an IRA, a Roth IRA, 401k, the first year of retirement, with the expectation that you would live 30 years in retirement. After the first year, you throw away the 4.5% rule and just increase the dollar amount of your withdrawals each year by the prior's year, uh, prior year's inflation rate. Um, you know, we like to remind people that the 4.5% rule is not a law of nature like Newton's laws of motion, um, but markets can change. And it's really possible that in the future, the 4.5% rule, which is held up for 50 years, might be violated. Um, 
the, the reality is, is to, to be quite frank with you, some people, some articles have been written even going down to 3%. So really kind of, you know, depending upon your time horizon or how long you expect to live, that's really something that you need to keep in mind as you determine what percentage to withdraw from your uh, tax advantage portfolio. Well, you know what, guys, our time is up for this first segment. Is there anything else you want to add before we take a quick break here? Well, Tony, we just want to thank the listeners again for tuning in to listen to us this early morning. Um, for those that are listening, we have the Retirement Income Toolkit that's available. Uh, we've talked about it on and off in the past. It's a great way to kind of outline some goals, look at your future from how uh, your retirement future from multiple angles as far as taxes and planning and income and those aspects to help you get started outlining a plan. Um, if you have, if you haven't ever put together a written plan, it's really important to do so. And it's a really helpful tool. If you have in the past and you want to get a second opinion on it or just kind of revisit it, I uh, will do a complimentary consultation for anybody that reaches out to us and uh, references today's show. Uh, you can reach us at 1-855-793-2409 or at wellingtonadams.com. Do you feel like you need help navigating your retirement? Retirement can be scary, but it doesn't have to be. With our Retirement Income Toolkit, you can get the information you need to help secure your retirement. This toolkit provides valuable information on income planning, asset allocation, tax planning, legacy planning, and more. Receive your Retirement Toolkit from Wellington Adams Investment Advisory by visiting wellingtonadams.com or by calling us at 855-793-2409. And welcome back, everyone, to our second segment of Financially Free with myself, Baron Fitzgerald, and Simon Hilliard from Wellington Adams Investment Advisory. Again, if at any point during the show you'd like to learn a little bit more information, please feel free to give us a call at 855-793-2409. You don't even have to throw in a one before that if you're calling on a cell phone, as Simon just awesome. mentioned on the last segment. <laughs> Or visit us on the website, uh, wellingtonadams.com. Uh, today's episode is titled, How to Reset Retirement Plans to Weather a Downturn. We've uh, spoken a little briefly about a couple of actions that you could potentially take to help avoid that. One, diversify. Obviously, you want to be well diversified with the assets that you have. And also, we talked briefly about just starting maybe smaller as far as a percentage amount that you're taking out, um, especially with a down market, it can have a really big effect on your future portfolio value. Um, or just maybe consider cutting back on some of those extra things that you were originally planning for initially and wait till the market comes back. And then you can go back to living a little bit more of a lifestyle that you want. Next, we're going to touch base on another action, paying off debt. Um, Reducing expenses trims the amount that retirees have to take from their portfolios during bad markets. Yeah, and I think that's important. Um, I know that I, I wanted to remind our listeners, there are a lot of shows uh, we've done covering some of these topics and other aspects, and they can find those once again on the website, on the radio page. Now, what's the next action investors can take to weather a market downturn? Well, Tony, the next action would be to maximize Social Security. Ah, here we'll give you, yeah, we'll give you some tips on how to go about that from a 2018 article from SmartAssets.com. What did you call me? SmartAssets.com <laughs> goes well with today's group here. Uh, the article was titled "How to Get the Maximum Social Security Benefit." 
one of the keys that they pointed out was to work for at least 35 years. You know, one of the common misnomers that we get when we're doing the seminars on Social Security or we're talking about the topic or reviewing one of the uh, reports with clients um, is what Social Security based on. You know, a lot of pensions have some funny figures, so they're thinking maybe the last 10 years or the highest 10 years is often something that comes up. However, Social Security is based on 35 years worth of your earnings history. It's the highest 35 years if you've worked more than that. But if you haven't worked for 35 years, they start subbing in those missing years with a zero. And that does make a big difference. So one of the keys here being maximize your Social Security, get in the full 35 years if possible. You know, if you're considering retiring earlier, if you haven't been aware of that kind of factor and how that might play into your retirement age goal. And then obviously, if you have a stronger baseline income with Social Security, or if you're fortunate enough to have pensions within there, that puts less risk on the investments that are coming out of the market and less uh, subject to the fluctuations of the markets there. Well, yeah, and that that's really important. That's a good tip. Now, does this, those working years, does that include all those high school and college years of part-time work I did? <laughs> yeah, Tony, actually, it did, it did wind up paying off for you maybe. Um, as Simon said, I mean, if you haven't worked 35 years, if you say only worked 30 years, they're going to count five years with a zero figure. So if you've worked, though, less than that 35-year period of time of full work, full-time work, but you worked some of those years were just part-time, um, you that can actually count. It's going to count those part-time years. So at least you get some credit towards the benefits, which can you know obviously make your benefit higher. The next tip that I wanted to talk about is in regards to Social Security is, is you really want to work until your full retirement age, at least. Um, now, or delay your benefits to the full retirement age. <laughs> well, yeah, or delay the benefits to the full retirement age. True. That's that's you, if you could retire sooner, then great, do it. But you want to really kind of wait until you're at least of full retirement age to take those benefits. Um, it really has a lot of benefits as far as the spousal situation is concerned. But what happens, though, it creates a little bit of a sticky situation as the determined age for full retirement is continuing to creep up. Uh, for a long time, you had to be 65 years of age to receive those full t benefits until uh, Congress pu pushed through uh, the Social Security Amendments Act of 1983 and what it basically said that in starting in 2000, the full retirement age would increase incrementally from 65 to 67 over a 22-year period beginning in 2000. Um, Congress reasoned that overall health, um, health care, as well as life expectancy had increased over the decades. You know, for example, the, the further life expectancy of a 65-year-old used to be nearly 14 years compared to almost 20 years today. So the Social Security clearly indicates that, well, the act, excuse me, clearly indicates that aside from extenuating circumstances, the earliest that anyone can retire to start receiving Social Security is 62 years of age. And they lose 30% of the benefits for that year if they file then. Um, each year leading up to the age of 66, the amount deducted is lowered. Um, meaning so from 62 to 66, Social Security is going to grow on average at six and a quarter percent. From 66 to 70, it's actually guaranteed to grow at 8%. You know, my full retirement age is 67, so I'm going to definitely hold off until at least that period of time to collect my or to file for my Social Security benefit because my wife is much younger than I am 
And when the first spouse passes, the surviving spouse gets the higher of the two benefits. So I want to try to maximize that benefit as much as possible so that when I pass, she has enough money to pay the pool boy to uh, clean the pool later on. <laughs> well, it's so, generous of you. <laughs> yeah, that is good. Uh, so odds are that our, that age could increase in the future then. Yeah, and I'll point out just for the listeners, you know, uh, whether we're referencing 66 or 67 or someone's in there, you know, it depends on your age and when you were born. So some of these numbers were thrown up there are related to the different ages, just so everybody's on the same page. But, you know, full retirement age could be adjusted in the future um, as life expectancy to continues to grow as they did from 66 to 70. Our third tip for maximizing your Social Security benefit would be to determine the best return for your spouse or your domestic partner. You know, married couples have two ways to go about their Social Security. A person can claim his or own, her own benefits or delay claiming them and reap half of their partner's payouts. Now, you have to be aware of the uh, different uh, rules that apply there, but that is an option and something very much that is often overlooked but should be considered. This can be beneficial if one spouse was a higher earner since the calculation for the spousal benefit will be based on the spouse's salary. And widows and widowers are also able to benefit from a spouse who had higher earning potential. Collecting half of the partner's benefits is a great way to push the date uh, that you file for your own claim back and continue to let those increase along the way. Okay, so uh, that's good, a good point. There's a lot to this, and that's why you guys have that Social Security maximization report you can run. Uh, do you have any final tips, Baron, for maximizing our Social Security benefit? Well, yeah, Tony, you really want to make sure that your employment and the funds that you've paid into your accounts through your employment check out with the Social Security Administration. Um, the Social Security Administration basically encourages workers aged 18 and older to create an account online where they can monitor their social security statement. Now, I'm sure a lot of those 18-year-olds out there are just gonna run run up right after hearing this and, <laughs> and, and open up that account, considering they won't get paid for another 50 years afterwards. But <laughs> uh, they do encourage people to do that. Um, it was actually the same reason why people don't get those statements in the mail every uh, year now. They're trying to minimize some costs there. Um, they're basically phasing out all check payments and they're just transitioning to an all electronic payment system. Um, I, I tend to be a little bit old school. They all make fun of me here because uh, I, I like write, writing paper checks, but even I'm going to have to start getting used to this. Um, so really basically what it's meaning is that everybody is going to be encouraged to sign up for some sort of e-payment system. I also wanted to point out that you should you know, you should be aware that there are health risks involving optimizing your Social Security payout. I mean, we don't really touch base on this aspect of it. Um, you know, for one thing, a delay in retirement really might increase the likelihood that you could compromise your health. Um, another reason relying on half of a spouse's benefits can be very good, but it also puts you in a position where you might become dependent upon that other person's wealth. So, you really want to make sure that you both are comfortable with the decisions that you're making and that it's really going to benefit both spouses over the long term. So, Baron, are there any other ways to create retirement income or sources of income other than Social Security? Yeah, Tony, I mentioned numerous times on the show about, um, you know, my wife is eight years younger than I am. 
Um, there's going to be a really good chance that she's going to be around a good 10, 15 years after I'm gone. I don't have the luxury of a pension. Um, they are falling you know, by the wayside. They're becoming less and less frequent. But uh, I, again, don't have that benefit. So besides maximizing my Social Security benefit, I've actually gotten an indexed annuity with a guaranteed income rider on it. And that guaranteed income rider is basically going to provide a pension for both of us for the remaining portions of our lives. So for me, you know, I'll turn that on when I retire somewhere probably around anywhere from 67 to 70, I'm going to retire. Um, I'll turn on that income rider and then, you know, we'll have that income coming in every month. The good Lord will then take me home at some point. My wife is still here she'll still continue to get that income for the rest of her life. So it'll give her the peace of mind knowing that she's going to have that as well as the maximized security benefit, social security benefit coming in um, that should, you know, at least be able to keep her comfortable in retirement where she doesn't have to worry about, you know, where the next money is coming in from. Yeah. And so uh, you have to look at all the different options for income in retirement and how to get a monthly income that you know you can count on. And uh, those are two great ways, social security, maybe a fixed index annuity, depending on a person's uh, unique situation. I know you always look at that. Now we're almost out of time for today's show. Simon, is there anything else you want to add before we have to go today? Well, Tony, as we mentioned earlier, we have that retirement income toolkit. You know, retirement is a complicated thing. There's a lot of moving parts, whether it's social security or how much to have invested in different areas of the market or in safe areas or how much we can withdraw and what percentage we can withdraw or how long will it last and all those kind of things that we kind of want to weigh to make sure that we have a comfortable, safe retirement, that we're confident in what's going on in the future. So, you know, the retirement income toolkit is a good way to get that started. Uh, we offer that anybody complimentary. Uh, but even more so, we'll sit down, do a complimentary review. If you've got an existing plan, we're happy to help you give you an objective kind of outlook uh, as to what's going on and how it'll pan out in the future. If you haven't done that yet, it's something important and, you know, something I would definitely encourage the listeners to do. It'll give you a, a lot of peace of mind in doing that. And we'll be happy to do that complimentary. We set aside some appointment slots each week to do that. You can reach us at 855-793-2409. Or on the web at wellingtonadams.com. Hey, Tony, I want to just add something in here to close out the show um, if we have enough time. I um, was reading an article and the article was saying that in some ways, you know, the financial advisor firm can be like a restaurant. You know, we're not just providing a good meal. We're providing an experience, one that people can trust and want to come back to. And of course, unlike some restaurants, we're trying to serve healthy food to our customers. So we're sneaking in a lot of broccoli <laughs> while still making it look attractive and taste good. Wow. <laughs> I like that. That's I awesome. love that, man. Food for thought. Food for that. thought from Baron Fitzgerald. Well, uh, great show today, guys. But that does it for today's episode of Financially Free Radio with our host, Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard. Thank you for listening to Financially Free with Wellington Adams. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard at Wellington Adams Investment Advisory. 
Call 855-793-2409 or visit them online at wellingtonadams.com. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Baron Fitzgerald, Simon Hilliard, and Wellington Adams Investment Advisory are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.